And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star or two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is a special returning guest. He is the host of Writer's Bagel Basket and one of the hosts of Hell is a Musical. It's Scott Kurland, everyone! Woo! What what time is this, Johnny? Like, how, how many does this make that I've been on? Uh, let me see. I want to say you're definitely in the double digits. Actually, you're like... This is like six or seven. I may be a little bit behind. Wow, I thought you were on at least ten by now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Scott, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, and we're here today. Well, I'm going to add a spoiler, my little spoiler alert jingle, because it's yeah. still a relatively new movie. And we're because we're here today to talk about the 2023 film Wonka. Yes, the Willy Wonka prequel movie. Um, screenplay by Simon Farnaby and Paul King, music and lyrics by Neil Hannon, except for, um, the two songs that are in, that are from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. They're co-written by Leslie Bricuse, directed by Paul King, and according to IMDb, with dreams of opening a shop in, in a city renowned for its chocolate, a young and poor Willy Wonka discovers that the industry is run by a cartel of greedy chocolatiers. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I realized. So, I, so yeah. sh- should we should we tell people that I requested this? I said, "Do not book anyone. I want to be on this." Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's one of the few rules that I have of this podcast is like you know my guests pick something, yeah. and you pick this like months before the movie came out. As soon as I heard Timothy Chalamet was playing Willy Wonka, I'm like, this is either going to be really good or really terrible. So I I want to be there for either his continued success or like his first flub. And it's... where do you stand? Oh, I, I loved it. See, I, I'm, I'm a little more in like the middle because he can't well, he's not the strongest singer. Oh, not Without not it. him not him at all. He wasn't even my favorite part of this movie. But um, I ha- I do have to give him credit though. He sold me on the fact that he isn't a strong singer, but he still yeah. acted the shit out of it. So he's the, he's the kid on the soccer team who decides his like senior or junior year to do theater. <laughs> he's the Troy and, Bolton of the. Bunch. And then he gets cast in the lead. <laughs> I didn't mean Troy Bolton. I meant literally. There was a kid in my high school who like never did theater and then his like senior year he got every lead in the pl- the the straight plays and the musicals god damn it i hate those kids yeah i really hated that kid yeah <laughs> and they're like oh my god you're you're amazing as as uh oh i forgot the character we did funny girl his senior year so oh mr Arn- uh Arn- nikki arnstein right no he was the other one oh Okay. But, um, but with this one, I don't know. Are you like a big Willy Wonka fan? So, so what got me excited about this is I'm a huge British comedy, British TV fan. And this was directed by Paul King, who is famous for doing the two Paddington movies. But he is the creator and mastermind of the Mighty Boosh. And, uh, okay. and the Mighty Boosh has like... Five of the most famous British comedians in it. It has Matt Berry from What We Do in the Shadows. He's Laszlo. Okay. Yes. It has Richard Iowati, Noah Fielding, Noel Fielding, and uh, Rich Fulcher, who's in this as Larry Chucklesworth. Which one was he? Was he the... The comedian. He was the stand-up comedian. Oh, I have issues with that character. Just as a character, though. Yeah. So Rich Fulcher is... He is an American comedian who moved to the UK and basically became their equivalent of like 
who's a British comedian over here? Like, would it be? I mean, would it, it be James be Corden? Jo no, it wouldn't be James Corden. Wouldn't be. Oh, John um, um, yeah, John Oliver. It wouldn't be John Oliver because John Oliver actually contributes. Um, oh. Like, <laughs> no, no, like he he's not like like John Oliver changes the world for for like america like he covers stories that are funny on his show but they actually have an impact and make some change like i understand he, now he's like a graham norton type oh, okay yeah 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 but he became friends with paul king and he like does everything with paul king i mean the, the only issue i have with his character is that they didn't write a useful skill for him his bow tie spin well, or that he can he can like make his voice sound like he's underwater, and that's yeah. the thing that they focus on. I'm like, that's not something. At least give him like make him be able to do voices. Like that'll so, be something. The voice underwater thing, I think, is a jab at uh, comedian Rob Brydon. Who have you seen the trip? No, I have not. So he's he's an actor and comedian. He's famous for being on Gavin and Stacey in the UK, but. He, as a comedian, he's famous for doing man trapped in a box where he can do this thing with his throat where he can make it sound like he's trapped in an actual box. Oh, my God. Like under <laughs> underground. OK, so, so I think taking the piss out of him. Yeah, yeah. he was in Barbie. Who did he he was Sugar Daddy Ken. Interesting. OK. OK. Yeah. But like, yes, like with with all these little side characters that happen that wonka comes into they all serve a purpose except for him him yeah. which no no shade on the actor because he did his job i thought you know yeah. he i i he had some like i liked his goodbye where he was like he had like a very serious moment and i was like yes this is this is great you're doing your job sir but like your character's kind of useless i feel like yeah, what I what I really liked about this movie is it isn't Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, but it is. It isn't like the yeah. the 70s movie, but it is. It leads up to things that happen in that movie. It's got the similar beats, too, from that movie. And it took like me we, until literally today to realize that. Yeah, because we find out the reason why he puts those things in the contract is because he got tricked by a contract as a kid. Right. Well, I want to hold off on that for a hot second. Sure. I want to keep going on the beats, though, because, like, when we think, when I think of Willy Wonka, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people who are listening or a lot of people, I, I, I don't want to include you in this because you you see through everything or you have a better memory of things than I do. But I only really think of the chocolate factory. Not the saw shit. aspect. Yes. Which, that only is half the movie. There's a whole other portion of the movie that is before the chocolate factory. Right. So like I Have you it, done have you done Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? I have done it. Okay. Yes. All right, cuz I was listening to Matilda today and I was wondering, are you doing like a whole roll doll thing with people, this? People no, no, honestly, this is just how <laughs> the schedule's working the out. Schedule's working out. People are like, "I want to do this." And I went, "Great. I'm just going to randomly plug you in." And it just so happens that this is happening right after Matilda. So no one, um, I would like to claim that I am smart enough to think of this, but that's just only just take me. the credit, Johnny. Just take yes, the credit. Yes, I am smart enough to think of this. Well, so like the thing, I, I'm one of the few people that like in the original Willy Wonka, I don't hate Cheer Up Charlie. I don't hate it either. I, was I, just... I know a lot of people. I know... I know at least a hundred people that hate Cheer Up Charlie. The the well, the point that I was getting to is that like when we get to a world of your own, that is like in Willy Wonka, and I'm sorry to like keep comparing it, but I have a feeling that's what we're going to be doing in the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That is when the kids get into the factory for the first time. Yeah, because we go into his chocolate shop, and he's and it's magical and literally i wrote in my notes just like yes 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 this is it this is this is what i was waiting for because everything up until then i was it, it... it it's so okay that scene where he gets his chocolate 
uh, shop for like two seconds. Um, yes. And then it burns down. Um, <sighs> that was upsetting. That was that was upsetting. But I was like, where are we going from there? Well, they're they're trying to prove that he needs a chocolate factory. Like, yes, he, it's not but, a shop. He needs a factory. Right. He needs a factory. When the movie opens up, I'm like, this is going to be whimsical. So either this is going to be worth Paul King dropping out of doing Paddington 3, or when Paddington 3 comes out this year, we're going to be like, oh, he made a mistake. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I did I did leave the movie feeling good. Yeah. You know, it, the, I, I also recognize that I am not the target audience. This is... I actually disagree. I think we are. I think our age demographic is the target audience. See, I thought this was for families with younger kids because of the way that the people were overacting. It felt very much childlike in a way. Have you seen Paddington or Paddington 2? I have not. So that's probably to my disservice. So if you're going to see one of them, see Paddington 2. You don't need to see the first one to see paddington 2 is a masterpiece paddington 2 i've actually heard like a lot of a lot of compliments towards those movies they're the, both of those movies if you look up the rotten tomato scores they nearly have a hundred percent no wow yeah and paddington 2 saved hugh grant's career pretty much yeah he's the vil- he's the villain in that and he is so good like he should have been nominated for an oscar that's how good he is he got nominated for bafta yeah, but like this one. Oh, I loved Hugh Grant in this. He was my favorite part of this movie. See, I could tell that he hated every minute of it. That's just hit the, no, he doesn't. That's so. I've I've read that he did. Well, I read that he had trouble with doing the filming of the green screen because this is like really his first time being a green yeah. screen character. So and, with Hugh Grant, the thing you have to know is it's all an act. The whole being a fuddy daddy and a curmudgeon is all an act. Like he's just hyper British. <laughs> well, he does it in every interview. I don't know. I know it was on a podcast that told a story where he went on a show complaining about the clip they showed, and they say, "Well, we'll get a fucking better clip." Like, and he'll do that on the red carpet where he'll they'll tease him, and they're like, "What? Who are you wearing?" And he's like, "I'm wearing a suit." Like <laughs> he's always done that since like i think it's since about a boy or, okay. or or like whenever his persona no it was bridget jones's diary when his persona changed from him being charming you know women love him hugh grant or charming he's the timothy chalamet of his time um him being that charming lovable mopped haired you know parted down the middle hugh grant to him now it's very he's now turned into like a very grumpy old british man <laughs> he even he even said that why he took this is like he's like i got kids <laughs> i need a paycheck <laughs> that's not true at all he's friends with paul king paul king really helped him oh no but i'm saying like i yeah. guess this is go that's also going into this persona that he's curated right off screen um yeah i don't I don't know this movie. This movie, I was I was a little well to go back to go into more into. Um, I don't know where I wanted to go. Where my brain just stopped right there. Okay. <laughs> We're doing great. Yeah. What was the okay. thing that I said I wanted to put a pin in? I won't put it out. Pull it out now. Okay. Uh, I th- I think it was um, the whole him getting the chocolate shop, it catching on fire. Yeah. All that. Like. Going back to everything. So like the whole chocolate cartel. Which <laughs> which is so, hilarious to say. Which so the main guy, I gotta look up who played him. Um, um uh Patterson Joseph. Patterson Joseph is uh if you don't know him, he's a very famous, you know, comedian in uh the uk and he and he's a stage actor too and 
the way we like pick Henry Cavill to be the next Bond and like root for it, and he never gets it. They did they did that with him and Doctor Who. Like, oh, that's terrible. Like for years, around the time when people were like, "Oh, it should be Clive Owen or it should be Henry Cavill," and it was Daniel Craig. They were doing that with him and Doctor Who, and it was David Tennant, who we now know is like the greatest Doctor Who. But he was just this well-known British stage actor and comedian. See, and, and as Slugworth, he's him. great. I thought I knew him in something, but apparently I don't. I mean, I've seen Aeon Flux, but like that's really it. Who's Out of him? his Giro, Giroks. I'm looking this up because I thought I knew more of his stuff. Yeah, he's known for Wonka, The Beach, Aeon Flux, and Neverwhere. Which is Neverwhere. Uh, it was the, the, yeah, it's based on, oh my God, Neil Gaiman. It's Neil Gaiman. Okay. Yeah. That's, yes, yes. I have that. I have that comic book. I have not, I haven't read it yet. I didn't know that they turned it into a thing already. Yeah. Um, but he, I thought he did a great job. I also liked how they, the thing with this movie is that, yes, it's a prequel and everything, and they're trying to give us answers, give us, like, give us questions that are answered in Willy Wonka, if that, like, or, uh, like, the yeah, setup. Yeah, the thing we put a pin in was the whole, he gets screwed over by the contract, so that's why he yes. puts in. Yeah, so there's, there. well, that, too, I didn't really understand why they wanted to make Willy Wonka uh, unable to read. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, that's a weird detail that. Well, Johnny, he's so into the the chocolate game that he doesn't care about, you know, literacy. Well, so then my question is, how does he know how to spell his name or like uh, on his mother's chocolate that it spells out his last name? She probably told him. She probably <laughs> You gotta learn some basics, Willie. You need to know how to spell your name. Yes. Or he might be one of those people who can spell, he just can't read. Ah, okay. Well then, so that that's what... There, this movie is littered with Easter eggs for that. Because, like, we've got... Um, what The one that I really liked is how... Willy Wonka and Slugworth's relationship in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory like started and I'm just assuming he managed to forge a relationship with Slugworth the 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 man the the the, the chocolatier cartel person well, I I think what happens and this would be a great twist for later in the movies that because What's her name? Um, the girl. Uh, um, oh crap! Noodle. Noodle. Noodle is a Slugworth. Her yes. uncle is in prison now, which means she gets the Slugworth fortune. So then, so like, that that would be a great sequel. Is she becomes pure fucking evil? It, it becomes it becomes like a, uh, um, you know, Obi Wan Anakin. Well, you have to remember, though, in Willy Wonka, it's publicly they are rivals. Really, Slugworth works for Willy Wonka. No. No. Yes. No one. No. <laughs> Watch it again, Johnny. That's Wait, not no, I... Slugworth. That's his uh, That's his attorney. He pretends to be Slugworth. Be Slugworth. No one's seen Slugworth. Oh, so I... so never mind. So great trying... if Noodle becomes, you know, pure evil i mean she she kind of has such a demure and like at times sociopathic view of the world well so the the weird thing is like this whole movie is it's for i i know you we're we're at odds as to who we think the audience is but it is for family it's a family film also but like there's only one kid in it like that—that right. that was the thing about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and inevitably the 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's kids, yeah, They're kids. 
and the the kids are learning a lesson. And this one, it's all adults except for Noodle. Yeah. And even Noodle is like, I don't know, gotta she's gotta be like thirteen in her teenage years, like they're fifteen, fourteen, yeah. maybe. So she's not she, young. She's twelve or thirteen, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like And she 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 is so I guess, you know, done with the world. She's been an orphan for so long. Oh, she's so jaded. Yeah, yeah. She's like a little Alanis Morissette. Like <laughs> she's writing Jagged Little Pill as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> but like the entire premise of this movie comes down to Willy Wonka coming on a boat, coming to London to open up basically it's the equivalent of he's seeking his fortune across the sea. Is it London? Because they never specify that. It's it's like England or Europea or something. It, it's, I mean, everyone in the original version is supposed to be British and it's supposed to be London. I guess it's wherever. It's cheer up, Charlieville. Um, that but that's the other thing too that got me that messed me up a little bit is that everyone's British, and like I understand that in. Jim Wilder doesn't affect a British accent, so Willy Wonka isn't British in that movie. But it's like even Wonka's his... mom is Irish. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he has, his mom's got an accent. What's happening here? <laughs> I don't know, but this proves that Sally Hawkins is good in everything. That oh, that was his mom. I was like. She... Sometimes facial recognition doesn't happen for me, but I, I'm like, I know I know you in something. Shape of water. Yeah. She she banged a fish. Um <laughs> She's also Paddington's mom, which she made this instead of doing Paddington three, so they replaced her with Emily Mortimer. Is Rowan Atkinson also in Paddington? I know he's Mr. Bean, but like Yeah, I'm trying to remember. No, yeah. Hugh Bonneville is in it. I don't remember if Rowan Atkinson is in Paddington. I know Peter Capaldi is. Because Mac- I, mean, I mean, I'm only asking because it seems like Paul King has his his troop of actors that he brought over to this movie from Paddington. There's only like a few that he brought over from Paddington. The main one is the guy who is um, Olivia Coleman's you know midnight cowboy oh Uh, he's the main person tom Tom davis tom davis yes tom davis um no rowing atkinson is not in any of the paddington movies uh yeah tom davis is the main person from paddington 2 he is in prison with him um that's that's a a hilarious sentence that i wasn't expecting to be on this episode yeah paddington (laughs) 2 paddington 2 uh he goes to prison paddington goes (laughs) to prison paddington uh, yes a talking bear i think i think jim carter who plays mr abacus crunch is in one of the paddington movies also i mean it also seems like they hired Oh, he was in Top Secret. Yeah. Hey, go. Connection for you. Yeah. Uh, it also it's seems, deja vu. It also seems like, besides Timothy Chalamet and Keegan-Michael Key, they were, like, going through the Rolodex of British actors, being like, who's free for this? Well, the funny thing is, Matt Lucas, who plays Prodnos, he dropped out of doing Great British Bake Off as host to do this. To do this? Yeah, which is ironic because Noel Fielding, who is best friends with Paul King, was like, no, I, I like a steady paycheck. But like, I, I think Matt Lucas, him and the other guy, uh, what's his name? Flicknose? Fickle Gruber, played by Matthew Bates. Fickle Gruber, yeah. Fickle Gruber, every time someone says poor and he starts like throwing up in his mouth. <laughs> yes. That was great. Like all, all three of them together as the chocolate cartel. And the whole fact that they're they're pretty much pulling in Nestle, because if you think about it, that's what Nestle did. Nestle bought 
parts of Cadbury for America. So like the Cadbury we get here is not the Cadbury from over right. there. So like that's kind of what Nestle did. Interesting. It's also interesting that like if you dig deep, the fates of the children. Well, I only saw two of the fates happen. Um, there's there's Keegan Michael Key's character blowing up really big, a la Violet Beauregard. Yeah, and then the Augustus Gloop with the the chocolate tank which that moment i was like this has got to be an awful days of filming (laughs) i don't know what that was yeah (laughs) whether it's i mean any liquid that you're submerged in has to be awful (laughs) if if you listen to uh pod meets world will friedel was telling the story of he was making a movie in the 90s and his character is covered in water and flour oh and they had to recreate that on him so he always had to look wet gross he said it was a nightmare so like i can only imagine because the chocolate that they put on them is not chocolate it's pretty much like dirt and clay it's it's yeah it's like tinted water that they're in yeah so it, it has to be disgusting yeah and and yeah and it gets in your mouth and you're like oh Plus, um, I mean, I, I also read that apparently um, Paul King gained a lot of weight while filming this because he was eating all the chocolate, but apparently Timothy Chalamet didn't gain a pound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a skinny little twink. Uh, <laughs> well, what I what I love with Paul King's like scripts for, he works with, so his, his writing buddy is uh, actually in this. His writing buddy is um, Simon Farnaby, and Simon Farnaby is the the um, the zoo guard. Oh, he yes. also plays a very similar character in the Paddington movies too. I mean is is it a is it a thing for Paul King? I mean, really, I guess in Paddington, is there like a lot of strong and interesting tertiary characters? Yep. Yeah, like the zookeeper and yep. the that guard, as well as the flower sales yeah. person. Yeah. yeah, that that's what he does. He does really good world building, and I like that. I like how someone will like in typical both American and British comedy. Like if someone gets a phone call, like it's just a funny side of the the conversation you're hearing. But in his world, like it leads to something. No, it's a it's a full three act play. Yeah, and that's what I love. Every character is so well developed. Yes. They all have like depth. Even even though they are acting cartoonish in this, like the cartel are all are all but twirling their mustaches saying that they're evil. <laughs> right. No, at one point Matt Matt Lucas flat out says they're evil. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but none of them have mustaches to twirl or facial hair. <laughs> like, no, that... Matt Mal- Lucas has the mustache. He has a very famous type of mustache. A very oh, bad... the, the yeah, 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 yeah. The the um the very just under the nostrils, and it's of a certain historical German figure in history. Michael Jordan he... had the same one. I think World War Two. Everyone, uh... Michael Jordan had the same one. Let's just say that. So. What did you think of the songs? So I love uh, Neil Hannon, who is from the Divine Comedy. But I don't think he was the right person to write the songs. Yeah, I think we needed like a Tim Minchin. Yes. Or or uh, definitely not a not a not a Pashik and Paul, but even like Eric Idle. Because Eric Idle did all of the music for Spamlot. Like, yeah, you you need someone who is really good at like structure. I mean, because Half Full of Dreams, it is a nice song, but I don't think it's the right opener. No, what, it was not. It was a little too. No, because if you think about the original Willy Wonka, you got Candyman, so you need like a Candyman. 
I was, I was. I really thinking, can't say that term one more time, or something. I would. Well, I did read that they wanted to use. They they thought of using Candyman, but like <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr.'s just, estate was like hell no. Well, technically, it really the movie. It came from the movie first. It was Sammy Davis the, Jr. was originally cast as the Candyman and wrote ghost wrote some of the songs, so he has the rights. He was the wait. What? Sammy, when we did it on Bagel Basket in the research, Sammy Davis Jr. was originally cast as the Candyman. Oh, the okay, I understand. I'm following you. The, the character of the yeah, can, yes, interesting. Because yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that the it was in the movie first, and that's what I found out when we did it. I was like, oh shit, like that's yeah. so cool. No, but, no, Sammy Davis Jr. was originally supposed to play that role and he even helped punch up Candyman but he didn't get credit for it because they kind of kicked him off the movie it took me a while like I said until today to realize that they're following the beats of the of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory but like I feel like they needed if they wanted to start the movie with a song you need big showstopper <laughs> yeah did you did you see who like Warner Brothers was fighting over different actors. Like before Paul King came on, there were several actors in like the 2010s. Oh, and see, I I saw that. Um, I think it was down to Timothy Chalamet and Tom Holland at one yes, point. But before that, so when they started kicking this idea around, it was uh, Ryan Gosling because. A, he can sing. This was around La La Land time. He can yes. sing, but also he bases his whole acting style, if you've seen interviews with him, off of Gene Wilder. I can see that. Yeah. Now that you say it, yeah. So, like, like they're like, he would be perfect, and he kind of has that look to him. Yeah, there was there's moments in this movie, too, where Timothy Chalamet was a little erratic, and I don't know yeah. if that was him the writing, the directing, somewhere along the line. It was because there's that moment where he's talking to Noodle and his eyes are like super crazy and wide. And he's like, yeah, the um, double ha, the double ha. Yeah. That, um, who, who he's kind of like Nicolas Cage in that moment. And I was like, this isn't right, but okay. (laughs) Well, my problem with Chalamet is he doesn't have that sinisterness that Gene Wilder had. Like, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka was, like, chaotic neutral. Yeah. Teetering towards chaotic good, but still. Yeah, like, and and but like the, and then there's that one moment in the ferry boat scene where he, like, scared everybody. Right. And I think Gosling would have done that. Yeah. But then oh, yeah. he got too old. <laughs> they wanted a younger Willy Wonka. Like in this time period, the the four or five names that were mentioned, Will Smith was mentioned at one point and then that like quickly died off. But it was Gosling, Donald Glover, <clears throat> mm. who I could have saw, Ewan McGregor. Interesting, as long as he doesn't have to do a French accent, as we've learned. And the one that does not age well Ezra Miller. Oh. Yeah, you know what? Warner I think Brothers I hearing about that. Warner Brothers was trying to push that canceled person so hard for this role. Uh-huh. And then it came down to Chalamet and Holland. And Chalamet signed his contract, his deal with Warner Brothers, and Holland was a Sony person. So so it went to Timothy Chalamet and this film because it's done so well has now made him flat out a movie star because the rules for being a movie star is you have to be able to get all of the age brackets demographics so to go into the whole film production of things you need to be able to bring in the moms and the grandmas Mm-hmm. which he's done with his indie movies. Then you need to bring in 
you know, the 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 men, the, the men, which is Dune. And then yes. you have to have to bring in the, you know, 17 to 25 crowd, which he's done with, you know, uh, oh, well, was it called me by much. your name? I was going with Ladybird, but yeah. Yeah. But then also and Little Women. Little Women is also in that that area with the, yes. the moms and the grandmas. But he they're like, well, how is he gonna do with kids? So Yeah, I so, yeah, I see you. I see that. Now he's a yes. Where same way with Robin Williams. Like Robin Williams was a movie star because he couldn't be Goodwill Hunting, he could be the genie, yeah. he could be Mrs. Doubtfire, you know. Yeah, and, Tom and Cruise is the same way. With with Timothy Chalamet, he's been doing a lot of heavy, heavier material. Um, so to I see, I mean, him if you do... look at the movie he made before this, he played a cannibal last year. What movie was that? Bones and all. Oh, I see. I think I blacked out some of his movies because, like, all I remember is Dune and now this. <laughs> so. Yeah, but, that that was two years ago. Oh my god, it's been two years. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's just something that was a little off with him in this, and I don't know if it's because he also looks so young that I was I, like, "How old are you supposed to be?" In right. They never they never say, and that's that kind of ticked me off, but. Also, I know how tired he was as Timothy Chalamet, not as, you know, Willy Wonka, because he was filming this and then he would go and film Dune. So he was filming this back to back with Dune. So he must have been exhausted. Oh, my God. Yeah, because, I mean, especially when you're like, okay, so you're going to ride the worm in Dune part two. And now you're going to come over here and we're going to do you're going to. You're gonna sing a song while on a tree trunk in a magic candy store, chocolate so, store. To give you a little treat, wow. um, Aha, I seem to do there. I didn't do it on purpose, but I'm happy I did. So I found out because I haven't gotten to listen to the Elvis episode yet. Okay. But do you talk about the fact that uh, uh, Austin Butler can't break the Elvis voice? We didn't really get that into it. We talked about, though, how the Elvis character broke Austin Butler. Well, for Dune Part 2, he's basing his whole persona and presence on Mick Jagger. So let's see where this goes. If he's in interviews talking like this, love. I kind of hope he does. Austin Butler or Tim Austin Butler. Oh, was he in Part 1? No, no. His His character is in Part 2. Okay. I've only, His character it's... is the role that Sting played. Oh, great. So, but yeah, like Chalamet, like he looks like he's having a good time, but he looks so exhausted. Like, yeah. And like the other thing, too, that confused me is like, okay, so Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I believe, is supposed to be present day of that time. So, 70s. 1973. Okay, great. This one. I'm not sure what the time period is. It's either the 1900s or the 1950s. Like, yeah, there's cars. There's cars, but they're dressed of the turn of the century, and but those are 50s style cars. No, I don't understand. <laughs> and the and the chocolate cartel are dressed as if they are, you know, going to set sail on the Titanic. Like, what? Their happening? suits were actually more 1950s. Their suits were very... But they had more... Oh, that must have been the pompous styling then. Yeah, back then in the, the 50s and 60s, yeah, that was the... Think Austin Powers, like... Oh, yeah. No, because so. I noticed that I'm I, Slugworth had more of, like, the stand collar and everything, and I was like, that's a little early... But I guess we can argue it's 50s and he's just being a pompous Brit. <laughs> yes. A millionaire with so many pounds of chocolate. <laughs> well, I don't understand shocking, them. <laughs> the, the most shocking thing about this movie is how it's a it's a family movie. It's a kid's movie. But 
there is a whole underlying thing of addiction. My God, yes. Yeah, like like both the church and the police department has a severe addiction to chocolate. And it's it's almost like William S. Burroughs, you know, Bukowski style addiction. It's like really dark. And we're and we're teaching kids to that cops are corrupted. Yeah. Cause they I mean, I was expecting that that, that good cop I don't know that cop's name, but I was expecting him to be like another Easter egg to Willy Wonka. Yeah, me too. But it wasn't. I mean, that would be great if that guy ended up turning out to be his lawyer. (laughs) The other thing I have about this type of movie, not just this one in particular, but like a prequel to pre-existing material, like Fantastic Beasts, basically, is that it's a little... For me, it's a little hard because we've read the books, we've seen the original movies, we know the lore that they are that have been created, and now with this prequel, they're trying to backtrack and make us unlearn to relearn in a so, way. The whole prequel aspect of it, because originally I believe Warner Brothers was going to do Break Glass Elevator. And which is what they should do, <laughs> and putting Gosling in it as Willy Wonka would have been great. Yes. But the problem with that is Netflix bought all of the stuff, all of the oh, rights, right? But Warner Brothers kept their original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like they were able to do that. So they have the rights to the Oompa Loompas, they have the rights to the basic story and beats of that. So they basically, instead of being able to make a sequel that they can't because Netflix technically owns the rights, they decided to do a whole new story. And the weird thing is when they originally wrote this, this was a much darker, less family-friendly movie, and it was written by Simon Rich. Bring it. I want it. Give me. Do you know who Simon Rich is? I don't, but I I like darker shit. So Simon Rich wrote... Miracle Workers, the TV show Miracle Workers. He he was a writing partner of John Mulaney's on SNL. He oh, created uh, Man Seeking Women on FX. Like he is a very satirical, absurdist writer. So darker, but still like funny or right comedic, I should say. Right, and when he was originally attached, he wanted his good friend Daniel Radcliffe as Willy Wonka. And that would have been great. Because he can sing, too, if they were still going to make it a musical. Yeah. He's singing Sondheim right now. That has to be hard as shit, so. Yeah, he was, uh, he he did uh, How to Succeed, which is the big Broadway style that is not easy. So. Right. But he's also doing Merrily We Roll Along right now, so. Yes. Which, that movie, we're still waiting for another, what year is it? <laughs> 2024 we're gonna be waiting for another 16 years my problem with that is the casting i don't care for the casting well they had to recast somebody and they were four years into filming right (laughs) something like that the person they recasted is fine i just don't like one of the people they casted (laughs) who was already casted oh i i think i know who you're talking about Anyways, but w- with this, like Simon Rich's script was a lot darker and the songs were more fucked up. I had a thought, a, a straight thought in, in Mulaney. Well, Mulaney should have wrote the music for this movie. Yes. John Mulaney should have written this as a musical. So, do you think Olivia Coleman did this because she wasn't in Matilda? Olivia Coleman apparently will do anything. She just loves acting. She doesn't care. She has no ego whatsoever, apparently. Well, because, like, I feel like with this one, not only were they doing Easter eggs for Willy Wonka. They did Easter eggs for old Paul King content. Well, I was also, I was going to say other Royal Doll content. Yeah. Because they, she looks like she's like the Trunchbull's sister or something. Well, at the end, they turn into the Twits. I don't know that movie, that book. That's real. Yeah. But the design actually looks more like old Greg from the Mighty Boosh. So like, like oh, I yeah, when they eat all the candy, you're talking about got it, got it. Yeah, yes, yes. but but in the original 
they they become the twits that that's who they become interesting so the so they did pull influence from other ones then they snuck it in yes yeah yeah you, you had to know what you were looking for they're, they're, they're like this is for the diehard fans <laughs> yeah yeah but like yeah. the song some of the songs are really good some of the songs are like oh okay let's let's just move on like um, the, the scrub scrub song is so good <laughs> sorry i'm reading one of my one of my uh one of my notes for that i wrote this is a kid's movie no one should see those chicken legs for um tom davis uh, tom davis yeah so pure imagination is in this i i have a story about in the theater what happened like when the people i was in the theater with i was sitting by myself um yeah i i saw this by myself same couldn't couldn't find anyone to go with me but there was a mother with her daughter and when they realized that pure imagination was less about chocolate and the fantasy and it being more about reuniting with someone's mother the girl goes no 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 she's like i i'm calling her a girl she was like 25 but she she grabs her mom and she's like no 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 and she's like starting to cry okay and i want to be like cry cry so because they started the movie with and i'm not looking at you because i because <laughs> you're gonna judge me so hard but they started the movie with the music of pure imagination that song has such a chokehold on me that I it will make me cry. So then when he starts to sing it, I knew it was happening because I made the outline, I saw it was on there, I was ready for it, I still cried. And I can tell you why, it's because of Glee. Because of the funeral? Yeah. It's beautiful! Don't judge me! <laughs> so like... The other songs are whatever with him. I think that is like was his sweet spot. Uh Timothy Chalamet. I liked his noodle song that he sang, the I'm sorry noodle song. Yeah, I kind of blacked that one out. <laughs> oh, okay. I like Scrub Scrub a lot. I I liked the, the, how they kept using those Scrub Scrub and he'd be like, "Right, and now we have to we what are we going to do to the floor? Scrub Scrub." <laughs> or whatever the what those lines were like that was that was fun um it sounded like did you ever see uh menken's christmas carol was this was this the tnt one the one with jesse l martin kelsey Grammer? yes yeah yes I, i've seen that so scrub scrub to me sounded like a song in there called dancing on your grave where it's the um it's future and they're grave diggers and the grave they, robbers. Yeah. Well, yeah. But like, they're going like, listen to the And that's kind of what scrub scrub sounded like to me. It reminded Not, me of from the producers on happy. Ha, yes. Yes. Same, same vibes. Uh, I guess it's like that staccato Yeah, imagine if Alan Menken and John Mulaney wrote the, the music and songs for this. God. I don't think they changed the lyrics to Pure Imagination. I don't see anything about they new did. lyrics. They did for for Noodle being reunited with her mother. Okay. Because I was like, this doesn't sound right, but I'm not seeing any... No, we, we get the regular one at the end when Hugh Grant basically decides to stay with him in the factory which makes me question does he not get other oompa loompas does he start to go into cloning do you think we're getting a sequel the amount of money this movie made probably because like i don't know what would be next uh, we have, probably we have... him becoming successful and then and then it'll they... end it'll end with him doing with shutting down the factory because right. that then will be Willy Wonka as a as the end of the trilogy. Right. So probably what will happen is him and Lofty are running the factory. People steal from him, and then like they call in the the Chumbawambas. Um, and then we get Noodle being the sociopath. Yeah. Of <laughs> see, we wrote it. We did it. Paul <laughs> King, take it. 
<laughs> yeah, but if they don't cast Sarah Niles as grown-up noodle Sarah Niles from Ted Lasso, then they've missed something. Would it still be Chalamet? Or would they get a different actor? It would... I mean, Chalamet probably would want to do it. I still think they, they should go with Gosling, but that's just me. I feel like if they were going to do something in the middle, right? Like he is successful or something. I feel like he needs to look older. And I believe Timothy Chalamet has young face. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to be stuck with young face until the the wrinkles set in. So I feel like just for aesthetics, they should cast like a middle man. Because you have Baby Chalamet, and then you have Gene then Wilder. Then it has to be Gosling. It has, to, it be has Gosling. to be Gosling. This movie was made for $100 million, or 125 if you count the backing it got from foreign countries. It made half a billion dollars. So, yeah, they'll make a sequel. Okay. I'm happy that they were following the Willy Wonka movie, but, like, mm-hmm. I feel like there was still some maybe some visual inspirations from the Johnny Depp one. His whole happy-go-luckiness was very Johnny Depp. Right. But also while we're while maintaining an original piece. Correct. A wholly original piece that was like, we'll do the Easter eggs for you, but like, they're not important. Like, we're here to talk about these other fantastical candies. Right. That he's creating. I mean, the candies didn't feel very Willy Wonka-esque, but like, hey. Uh, I saw when they first came out that um, I go to AMC and AMC. I went to an AMC to see this and all the kids wearing the, the, the top hats. Oh, no, they had they had the little top hat gummies or something. I wish I bought them. But there was like a there was like a Wonka came out with a an affiliate. No, I saw it when I went. I saw it. And yeah. I decided to get Raisinets instead, you know, like a normal person. I think I had a hot dog instead. <laughs> so, like, I was very, I w- kind of wanted to buy the popcorn bucket hat. And I didn't because so many little kids were buying it to go see the movie. I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy. I had this moment with Mean Girls. I'm like, I would buy the popcorn meat burn book, but like, what am I going to do afterwards with it? <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we get into Sharp and Flat? I feel like we haven't talked about Hugh Grant enough, but like, I I thought he was so good. I loved Hugh Grant in this. I, I <laughs> thought, I thought, you know, for... We needed more time with him, but like, for, I was very grateful for the time I had with Hugh Grant. The introduction of the Oompa Loompa in this world just felt weird. Because it happens an hour into the movie? Yeah, that and it's Hugh Grant and you're having him be, pun kind of intended, be such a little character in this. Well, that's what they kind of did with Dungeons and Dragons and he was so good. But like, I kind of wish that it was something it was it was different. I just wish it was different. Like mm-hmm. maybe he's he's an assistant or or he lives in the suitcase or something. Just something different cuz like it's weird that there's this weird obligation to Willy Wonka that he has at the well, end. Well, he's Trent I don't think it's an obligation. It's like he knows that if he goes back to uh, Loompa Land, they're still gonna make fun of him and beat the shit out of him and like, there's this nice guy who's gonna give him all the chocolate he wants. I mean, it was interesting too that like they took a different approach. They made him smaller. Right. The, the Oompa Loompa, they made them smaller and... Well, I'm, the actual size they're actually supposed to be. Yeah, and I'm glad that they, I think they had other actors play or they cgi'd other faces onto the other oompa loompas Mm -hmm. unlike the johnny depp one where it was one person which was yeah which was insane (laughs) oh we also didn't talk about keegan oh keegan another american or with american accent i mean i would have loved for it to be keegan michael key as the dirty cop and jordan peele as the the good cop 
I don't know. It's it's a weird thing because like you have all these British accents, right? And we're assuming. Oh they're no, in Jordan Peele would would have done a British accent. No, yeah, but I'm saying like I think the idea is that Willy Wonka is totally supposed to be a fish out of water, like in yeah the wrong yeah. place. So to have the Irish accent accented mother that's another that's another story for another day but like to have keegan michael key play a new york cop in england well okay so sally hawkins character reminded me especially the fact that they live on the boat of johnny depp's character from shock a lot and the whole i think that's what they were going for because i i thought they were nomads for mrs bucket i mean yes but the whole irish nomad Oh, interesting. Because in Chocolat, they all travel by boat. And it's about chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but th- that's all I had. Keegan-Michael Key as, as the New York cop, though. Yeah. Again, to go back to your point, that he's part of the addiction subplot that's happening. Sub-theme. Yeah. Them and uh, Rowan Atkinson. But yeah, that's all I had. Okay, let's get into Strap and Flash, shall we? Okay. Sharp. Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. What do you want to start with? So what's sharp for me is I loved, even Chucklesworth, I loved the indebted people. Because the slumber lady, Piper Benz, played by Natasha Rothwell, she was in White Lotus, which I absolutely love her in White Lotus. I thought she was in a different musical movie. Well, she's in Wish, but I I oh, thought she she's was... an SNL writer too. Yeah. She's American, I thought. Yeah, she's from she's from Wichita. But I loved all of the those people are sharp sharp for me. Olivia Coleman and the, the Chocolate Cartel and for songs, I really, really Scrub Scrub is definitely a sharp. Um, I sharped a world of your own. Yeah, that one's pretty good. That one, that one was great because it, again, it's so fascinating that there's, a, it's all adults except for Noodle in this movie, and then maybe like a kid or two in like the big group scenes, but like that's it. There's not that many children in this. Um, I also sharp pure imagination because, like I said, it's got a chokehold on me. Um, mm-hmm. I sharped the those tertiary characters, the oh, zookeeper, yeah. and the all zookeeper that. and the 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 vault guard, the world building characters, if you will. And then my last sharp is, <laughs> hey, we didn't talk about this, but I thought it was hilarious. The monks chanting their lines. Oh yeah, that was good. <laughs> that I was like, this is this is it, like. Good job, everyone. Oh, also, uh, I'll give a sharp to the great use of a CGI giraffe. Yeah, I mean, like, they gave that giraffe more life than in the Lion King remake. Yep. And that's all I'm going to say. Let's get into flats. I don't have a ton. I think my only flat... Chalamet singing at points is flat, but he has such charisma. Yes. I think my biggest flat is that they don't give enough to the legends so we don't get enough screen time from olivia coleman we don't get enough from rowan atkinson i would have loved more rowan atkinson than this if i'm being completely honest he should have just been the villain yeah it yeah. could have been like a, a cardinal richelieu from like uh um uh, three musketeers like yeah but no yeah, that's it for flats for me. I wrote down Timothy Chalamet's erratic acting choices. I didn't mind uh, that. It was his singing on certain songs. Yeah. Um, I also wrote down, and I don't know if I still agree with this. I wrote down how everything is text and zero subtext. I don't agree with that. I don't I don't think I agree with that anymore now that I have had time to marinate and after this discussion. So I'm gonna Drink. strike <laughs> I'm gonna strike that from my list. Um, Wonka's naivete, like he again, how old is this person supposed to be? I like that. I like the whole 
bright lights, big city, like coming to the equivalent of like Hollywood or New York with hopes and dreams of like getting on the Broadway stage or in front of a film camera and being a movie star or Broadway star. He had that, but like as a chocolatier and they basically just screwed him over. I mean, I, I like noodle am jaded. So that's where I'm coming from. And then this is always a flat for me. I mean, I loved Olivia Coleman in this. However, my flat is fat padding actors instead of hiring larger actors. So if they wanted, I mean, I get it. Olivia Coleman can do no wrong. It was great. Did they fat pat her? Oh, yeah. Oh, she was padded. Okay. And I can't remember. I mean, I mean, with Keegan Michael Key, he, it's his character mm-hmm. arc. I get it. But like, I did the same thing. You listened to Matilda. I said the same thing about Bruce. Like, yep. hire oh. a fat kid. When, when we did Bruce on Hell is a Musical, that's one thing I absolutely hated because they didn't even I guess I didn't notice it with Coleman because they actually you know put latex same thing they did with King Michael Key they put latex around the neck to make it look like you know yes they were they had a double chin where Brucey and in Matilda skinny face skinny neck and then just basically a beach ball I'm not sure if Tom Davis is oh he's humongous he is okay. Oh, he yeah, he he's a really big guy. I I just that I wasn't sure about. But no, was, he he's a very large man. But I wanted and I, I I, this is a thing that they need to stop doing because I understand yeah. that she's a name, she's Academy Award winning, or and has other award nominees and everything, and she I'm like she's having fun. Everyone in this movie is having a thousand percent fun. I. And it's not a dig at Olivia Coleman. It's a dig at the casting and everything. Like, right. Well, I, so as I was saying before with the, the whole beach ball stomach, what they do, I really hate when they do that, where they basically, we're going to make you look fat. And then they basically just take a pillow and, or yeah. a beach ball and they're like, oh, you're fat now. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing about, you know, shapes or anything. You're just, we're going to, yeah, we're going to stuff you. Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? I mean, Pure Imagination is yeah already on my my work playlist. So yeah, I want to get I want to get lyrics from that as a tattoo, which weren't in this movie, and I'm okay with that. See, the thing that I would create from Willy Wonka for a tattoo would be the the teacup, the flower teacup. I liked. That was as I, I like that there was some subtle references too. Like that one was one. Yeah, yeah. That like, if you did, if you, well, yeah, if you knew, you knew. But like, it was still subtle enough. Um, but Scotty, on that mm-hmm. note, we're done with the episode. Oh yeah, thanks for having me, Johnny. Thank you for picking this one. It was. It, I mean, it was. Uh, it was a gamble. Yeah, I because I like you. It was just like this is going to be a hit or a miss, and I'm I think I'm just very middling about it. Like it's there's some high highs and low lows. Because I knew I was going to take one of the new musicals coming out. It was either going to be this or Mean Girls, and I'm like, no, what? I'll <laughs> you'll probably get someone really good. Like Renee Rapp will show up. <laughs> I should have gotten her. We got somebody else though. Yeah, but um. What do you have to plug or promote? Hell is a Musical, One Scary Met Stabby, Writer's Bagel Basket. You can find all of those links. All those podcasts are on every podcast platform, social media, etc. What is your theme for this month for Bagel Basket? Is there one? Um, we're, we're slowly coming back, so we're going to do a um, uh, music video extravaganza again. Ooh, that's yeah. fun. Uh, and if you, I don't know, if you got more information for about Wonka, you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com, also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttersongpod. Um, give, give me your pitch for this, this sequel, the, the middle movie of this. They should pick trilogy. who, who they would cast as the oh, middle who yeah. do you think is going to be, yes. The in between. In between. The, 
How how old do we think he is? The thirties in the thirties? Late thirties, early forties. Oh, I thought of another good one. Yeah. Besides Gosling. Uh Jeremy Allen White Ooh. from The Bear. Yes, he looks exact. You know what? I want him to play in He's a biopic. <laughs> I want to play uh, Gene Wilder in a biopic. Yeah, because he perfect. wants to do it. Yeah. Um, and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, well, I did. I also accidentally decided that this week is going to be New Movie Week, and we're going to be talking about the 2024 Mean Girls. Ah, Scott, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nice and chill. Um, And thank you everyone for listening. Bye for now. Special thanks to Aaron Troy for creating the pods artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles. A huge thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. And thank you again for tuning in to today's episode of Life's But a Song. Bye for now, everyone, and have a musical day.